Hello and welcome to the Hungry for Adventure podcast. I'm your host, Alex Mason. I love going on adventures and I love talking about food and I know lots of other people do too. So in this podcast, I invite my fellow adventurers to discuss their dream post-adventure feast, choosing their favorite starter, main course, dessert and drink. There will be a healthy amount of food, a swirl of adventure and there may also be a dollop of poo talk. You have been warned. Welcome back to the podcast. I decided to take a little break over Christmas and New Year. And then that break got extended because of a few reasons, really. The main one being another lockdown and me losing all my motivation to do anything. And being in lockdown isn't the worst thing in the world, but it is sometimes also kind of hard being stuck at home alone all day. And instead of taking the opportunity to be super productive and get everything done, it's turning me into a lazy sloth who can't be bothered to do anything. Even getting out of bed and having a shower feels like achievements at the moment. So you can imagine where editing a podcast is on that list of things to do. Another thing I have been battling with myself over is a publishing schedule. The advice is to be consistent and publish regularly, but once a week for me is just going to be too much. It's a lot of work, probably more than I had anticipated. And while I really enjoy doing it, I want it to remain enjoyable. And if it feels like a chore, it won't be a passion project anymore because the passion will have died. So with that in mind, this won't be a consistently published podcast. It will be sporadic, I guess is the right word. And I think that's okay. I think we can get overwhelmed by the amount of content we are given to consume. So I'm focusing on quality over quantity. And that's just how it's going to be. Another thing I want to try and reduce is my screen time because I stare at screens all day at the moment. Everything I need to do, edit this, write, design websites, plus all the Netflix I've been watching means my screen time is currently around 14 hours a day. That's not okay. And when I went outside the other day, I struggled to focus my vision on the distance, which is really bad. Anyway, that's enough about me and all my excuses. But for now, let's get on with the show. My guest this week is Claire Smith ultra-endurance athlete who has done some truly crazy things and some even more crazy things lined up for the future. I loved the chat we had. Hopefully you will love it too. If you do, go and give it five stars and leave a nice review on iTunes. Here is Claire Smith's dream post-adventure meal. Claire, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. So part of the reason I set this up was because I wanted a reason to connect with my friends and people I have met over the last few years and I've spent adventuring with. But I also really wanted to reach out to new people. And you are my first total stranger on the podcast. So thank oh, wow. you for believing in this. <laughs> and thank you for being a guest. How are you surviving through this these weird COVID times? I'm, I'm doing right, actually. I'm kind of, you know, I'm happy just cracking on and, you know, being on my own and stuff. It's not... So it's not something I've struggled with. I know a lot of other people have, so I feel a bit bad for saying it, but no, I've, I've been okay. You're able to like work from home and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I've been self-employed for a long, long time. So yeah, working from home and um, not seeing people for ages is, is fine. <laughs> So I first heard of you when you applied to be a part of an ocean row we're currently organizing. And unfortunately, you didn't get chosen for this one, but that has nothing to do with your ability. It's just that we had 88 applications and two positions. And Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, it took me four years from applying to actually rowing an ocean. So don't give up on it. You'll get there eventually. No, definitely not. Your application in particular really stood out to me, though, because a lot of the stuff on there that you've done, I have never even heard of before. <laughs> so <laughs> for those who 
who don't know you, can you just give like a rough outline of some of the things you've done? So I guess people mainly know me for the ultra triathlon, the crazy long triathlons that I've done. I started years and years, about over 10 years ago in triathlon, reluctantly, a bit accidentally. And then it, I did an Ironman and then I did a um, double and then it kind of got a little bit crazy. And I ended up you know, doing a triple and a quin and a decker, is, which is 10 Ironmen. And then last year I finished uh, a double decker in Mexico, which is, yeah, as it sounds, 20 Ironmen continuously in a continuous format. So it was a 48 mile swim, 2,240 miles on the bike and uh, 20 marathons so that took me a while <laughs> I mean I can't I still can't get my head around it oh my god well we will definitely come back and talk about that but when it comes to food when you're not competing in triathlons and doing all these crazy things how would you describe your food tastes would you call yourself a foodie definitely I haven't got a massive appetite but I do really enjoy food yeah yeah it's, it's a good thing to be a foodie I think from from doing this podcast it's it's funny the differences that people think what a foodie means they all have mm. very different definitions of it so it's been really interesting to find out what people think a foodie means when thinking about your dream menu did you find it easy or difficult um pretty easy to be honest i don't have like there's like a few foods that i just really like curry being one of them so it's like <laughs> I, i'm pretty Pretty basic, actually. Yeah, someone said that I had the palate of a seven-year-old not that long ago. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't that wrong, actually. <laughs> Somebody said that about me, too. So oh, you're, really? in good, you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start you off by keeping you hydrated after all this physical activity. So what is your choice of water? Are you going for still, sparkling or tap? Uh, tap water. Yeah, I'm pretty basic. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I think most adventure type people are going to be fine with tap water. I think when you've had to search out your own water out of rivers and ponds and stuff, buying water in bottles seems a bit like an unnecessary luxury. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, And the whole fizzy water totally freaks me out. I can't. It's the worst thing. I hate it's fizzy water. so divisive isn't it you either in the really hate it camp yes. or the really love it camp <laughs> yeah. there's no in between there isn't like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've also said that you don't want your water too cold why not too cold i just don't like i'm really bad at drinking water my daughter drinks like eight gallons a day and my friend does as well and they're always like oh how can you just drink like half a glass of water a day and i'm like God, i'm fine. the same but and cold water just oh, i can't get it down at all so to force myself to drink water it has to be at room temperature and that's i can just do it then <laughs> yeah i get such stick about not drinking enough but i'm like don't just drink when i'm thirsty it's fine I just drink tea i mean <laughs> I drink uh, okay <laughs> so you do drink see i just don't drink anything so <laughs> <laughs> So I quite like that feeling though when sometimes when the water's really cold and you can kind of feel it going down your throat and into oh. your stomach it's quite <laughs> not keen on that. No, no, no. So when you're swimming in a lake or up and down a pool, is it easy to stay hydrated? Being like surrounded by water, are you more inclined to drink or less inclined? Do you end up taking in some of the pool water? Yeah, you always end up taking in a bit. The Mexican event I did, the, the water was, yeah, it was dreadful. They had massively over, I want to say chlorinated it, but I don't even know if it was chlorine. I don't know what chemicals it was, but it was very bad. And uh, we all had huge problems after that or during the swim, actually, just because you couldn't not 
take some of it in. And because we were in there for such a long time, of course, we were it was causing massive allergies and, and ulcers and burning our skin and stuff. So, yeah, that's, that wasn't ideal. Sounds horrendous. <laughs> yeah, and you do get, you know, as much as you're in a pool, you get really dehydrated because obviously it's, most pools are heated to a certain extent, so that doesn't help. And the same with, like, sea swimming, it's the seawater you take in really messes with your throat and your tongue. I've seen some dreadful tongues, like after a channel swim, it's like they're just ripped, ripped a bit, you know. Oh, that doesn't sound very nice at all. It's not nice. (laughs) There's nothing nice about that. (laughs) I'm just going to have to set a little bit of perspective on your double-decker achievement here. A standard Olympic triathlon is a 1.5k swim, a 40k bike ride, and a 10k run. Then we move up to an Ironman, which is seen as pretty elite competition, really. An Ironman is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run, so a marathon. And then, I mean, I didn't know this was a thing. I've learned you start to go double these distances, triple these distances, all the way up. You can do all of them, one, two, three, four, five, six, until you get up to a Decker Ironman, which is 10 times the Ironman distance. And that's a 24 mile swim, an 1100 mile bike ride, and a a mere 226 mile run. And when I heard of that, I thought, that's crazy. That, I mean, that is just like the top of it that you couldn't possibly do anymore. And then obviously I found out that you've done a double (laughs) decker. And initially I thought these things might be 20 Ironmen as in like one Ironman race a day. But this is what you call a continuous decker, double decker. Yeah. So you you can do it in the one a day format. Okay, so there are different formats. Yes. But this one you do a 48-mile swim, a 2,240-mile bike ride, and a 524-mile run. And I mean, on it, I said it, I've already said it, I still can't really get my head around doing it. (laughs) And I am so impressed at the sheer feat of endurance that it would take to do that. What on earth made you think, this sounds like a great idea. I'm going to give that a go. (laughs) It just, I mean... I don't know, really. <laughs> it just happened. I mean, I saw the guy who, who ran it, uh, Vito, he, you know, he put it out there the year before and I, I was aware of it. But I was like, oh, God, could I do that? Would I even want to do that? What a horrible, you know. Um, and I think as the year kind of went on, people kept saying, so are you going to do it? And I was like, no, 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 it's not, I can't, you know. And then it, things got a little bit rocky for me during that year. And I think I tend to push myself when I'm, struggling a little bit in other areas of my life so I tend to you know do crazy stuff when I'm feeling crazy so it just kind of happened that I was like you know what I'm just going to crack on and and it came at a perfect time and I kind of didn't really put it out there that I was going to do it just got on a plane and then I went out there (laughs) the day before I started I was like yeah so I'll put on Facebook yeah I'm here now I'm going to do this and people were like oh my god haven't really trained properly not really prepared but you know we'll see how it goes (laughs) Oh, I guess it must be really hard to train. I guess everything you've done prior to, to that would be kind of training for, for doing... In a sense, yeah. And you can't train like people think, you know, doing the whole like double the distances of this, that and the other. You can't do that. You just, you just have to be of a certain fitness. And the mental stuff comes from experience of doing all this this sort of type of stuff before. But I hadn't really, I didn't really feel even at my a decent level of fitness going into this unfortunately and also it's at altitude which is deceiving because you wouldn't think it was and because it's in Leon in Mexico and and also I just and so I was getting terrible headaches with that so it was kind of like I didn't going into it I felt awful but once yeah I know and the swim obviously like I said made us all feel pretty ill but you know once I started it I was like 
that I needed it, the mental kind of just like all you focus on is just moving forwards. And I kind of needed that mental break actually after a year that I'd had, which was pretty bad. So yeah, you know all about that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, well, you just have to get on with it, don't you yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> so the swimming part of this, 48 miles is 1,520 lengths of an Olympic sized 50 oh, meter pool. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, had to work that out. <laughs> and that's exactly what you did, right? You went up and down a pool for 42 hours. Yeah, it was a 50, yeah, 52 meter one. Oh, 52, 52 meters. That's an odd. 50, no, 50, sorry, 50 meter one. Yeah, yeah. You spent nearly two days swimming yeah how much sleep did you get in that time about 20 minutes oh my god I was yeah I was very yeah I was very strict with myself with the swim I was like I'm not messing about with it I was not gonna faff I was literally gonna get in there and just crack on as quickly as I could so I didn't allow myself much time for breaks I just you know would stop at the end eat something drink something go and it got to the point I can't remember which night it must be the second night that I was falling asleep as I was swimming. So I was like, okay, time to have a little break. And in my head, I'd imagine that there was this room that everybody, because it was a Lido, we were outside, so it was cold actually. And I imagine there was this room because people get disappearing off for these breaks. And I was thinking, oh, they've set up a room with beds and it's warm. And (laughs) I got out and I was like, where's this room? And they were like, no, no, there's no room. There's a there's an airbed on the on the floor over there if you want. There's a bloke on it, but you can sit next to him if you like. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> there wasn't. No, there was no room. You know, you start to imagine stuff, and I was like, really disappointed that there was no room. <laughs> Yeah, so that was, I'd had 20 minutes in my wetsuit. God, yeah, you must have been like hallucinating and stuff. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, the bottom of the pool was in quite bad repair, actually. So it's like all the tiles are sort of like broken up and stuff. And there was, they'd obviously tried to fix it with some sort of like filler. And it looked bizarre, the shapes. And of course, it wasn't just me, my friends did as well. They're like our minds kind of created these. They look like dishcloths on the floor. Uh, one of uh, Laura was seeing like some sort of crazy art, you know, artwork in it. And it was mental. So yeah, hallucinating at that point as well. So apart from your 20 minute nap, did you get out the pool at all? Were you eating and drinking while you were like, did you stay in the pool while you were eating and drinking? I mean, I just tried not to get out too much because I just knew I was prolonging the agony. So, I, you know, I would stop at the end and just eat and drink and then just crack on again. The worst thing was, was the allergies because I suffer from asthma and the, the chemicals would really trigger all my asthma. So I, I was, and also like sneezing fits as well. So I'd be like stopping like mid-length, holding onto the lane rope and just sneezing like 10 times in a row. Oh, crikey. It was really hard, yeah. What kind of food are you eating while you're swimming? Because I, I imagine it's not that nice to be swimming on a full stomach. So what kind of things are you taking in? So I don't really remember eating much at all during that swim. I didn't have any crew, which didn't help. Was it more like liquid fuel? There was a bit of that, for sure. And I had some nuts, some sweets, a couple of cereal bars and stuff. I didn't eat a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> it was just crazy. But that's swimming for you. You don't, it's, you don't eat a lot. If you think of the average channel swim, they're not eating. You know, they're getting, they're stopping for like a minute at a time. And they're just downing it as sort of like almost like, yeah, just calories in a liquid format and just then cracking on again. 
did you like load on load up with a load of food before you started or is it better just to have your body normal yeah no I did try to eat a bit more than I normally did but again I'm not a massive eater so I find all of that quite difficult and have you got someone counting your lengths or do you have to do that yourself oh god no yeah how do you keep track of your progress yeah no they deal with that that's just okay (laughs) yeah god can you imagine (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is by the time I got to Sunday afternoon I think it was where I was due to get out I was looking at these guys and I was like I have finished I know I finished and in my head I got quite irrational with them like quite angry like why are you doing this and the race director kept sort of walking over and I was thinking oh that's it he's going to tell me and he never did and I sort of got really angry with him as well in my head because I was so tired <laughs> he's lovely they're, they're really lovely but in my head I was like god damn you all <laughs> oh I'm sure they're used to it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I have to ask do you pee in the pool yes <laughs> of course right <laughs> <laughs> yeah hence all the chemicals I think they just must have thought oh my god we've got these bunch of complete nutters and they're just gonna pee in the pool the whole time and you do and it's disgusting and I'm aware of it but if you had to get out and take your wetsuit off every single time I mean you'd be at least especially with this event you'd it put back two hours on your time if not more I, I think people that say they don't pee in the pool lie anyway. So I think it's kind of normal just to pee in the pool. It's one of those unsaid things that I've now said, but there's no point. Me, <laughs> <laughs> there's no point me saying it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we all got out every single time. It's disgusting. But I mean, ultra, ultra anything is disgusting. Yeah, I can imagine. A few years ago, I was doing quite a lot of swimming. I was doing anywhere between like 50 and 100 lengths of a 20 meter pool a day, which isn't isn't anything from compared to what you've been doing. But it would take me about an hour. And after that, my body would just turn into a complete prune. And I think if I'm in a bath too long, my fingers and toes go really sore and, and it just starts to hurt. How does your body feel when you've been in the water for like two days? Well, yeah, I had the, the issues with the, my neck. Well, everyone did the same with the, the neck being so badly like burnt or whatever it was just I couldn't move my neck after for about a week properly until all the sort of scabbing had healed and stuff that was pretty bad and burnt from the sun the chemicals in the water basically and the rubbing against the wetsuits you know it's a combination but it was much worse than any of us ever expected I was scarred for quite a long time after that um, and just the aching I mean I, I felt like I had flu when I got out I was still coughing for ages afterwards as well and so was everybody else it was you just felt like you had a really nasty cold but you you didn't and you had to get on your bike <laughs> yeah so you've been two days in the pool you feel crappy mm-hmm. what happens do you transition straight into riding your bike or do you go and have a rest yeah so we were based the pool was about 40 minute drive so I had that 40 minutes to kind of like and I just remember my, my friend he uh, helps me like sort of get sorted and, and they drove me back to the um, place where we were this park but there's a picture of me he's taken of me in the back seat of the car and I just look just like death and he's just laughing because <laughs> he does this stuff too so it was like yeah thanks Joey and he put it on Facebook and I was like oh my god but I felt horrendous I felt like I was red raw as well my whole body was like burning up had this really kind of crazy temperature and stuff so I kind of went back and I was the first out of the pool actually um some of the faster swimmers got in a little bit later but I was my swim time was actually pretty decent for me and so I got back and I was the first 
person there and they looked at me the timing guys in absolute horror thinking because they weren't ready thinking that I was going to get on my bike and I was like no 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 <laughs> so we had like tents little tiny tents set up before we set them up before we started so that was where we were based for the rest of the event and so I kind of crawled into my tent tried to eat something which didn't really work um, and then tried to sleep but because I was in such pain with my neck I couldn't even sleep properly, which was the worst because I thought I'm going to get a good four or five hours here and just it'll make me feel so much better. So in the end, I I got up and I started and I did about three laps and then my body was like, yeah, never sleep now. <laughs> so I was like, great. So then I kind of had another kind of couple of hours. It took me a long time to get over that swim. Wow. Much longer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just sounds brutal. So you've gone for tap water. Is there anywhere in particular that does the best tap water? Is it from your tap at home or is there somewhere that you've had some really good tap water that you'd like to choose? Wow. That's a question. Uh, no, I just, I'm just not, I mean, my water's all right here at home, but I think it's just anywhere, where, especially if you're like, when I've been in Switzerland, the temperature's been really warm. It's like the water there has always tastes really good. So I'll say that. I'll say Switzerland tap water. Oh, sounds like a good, good choice. <laughs> Moving on to your nibbles, what have you chosen to nibble on? Uh, twiglets, because Marmite, for a start. <laughs> <laughs> twiglets are a good shout. Describe a twiglet for people who don't know what they are. They're kind of like, is, they are, I think they're healthy, aren't they? Because they're like whole grain. <laughs> so yeah, whole, whole yeah grain. let's go with them. Yeah, yeah, let's go with healthy. <laughs> healthy, healthy kind of twigs covered in marmite there <laughs> i mean twigs covered in marmite yes. they sound delicious <laughs> but they are way. good they are good i mean only if you like marmite and as we said marmite is one of those really divisive things that uh that people either love or hate your double decker was done in mexico and it's an organized event so i'm assuming there were other people attempting this at the same time yeah did you know anyone i imagine you don't just wake up one day and decide to do a double decker so were there people you already knew from the triathlon circuit yeah i mean the, the, the ultra crazy triathlon circuit is actually quite small and it stretches you know throughout the world so i know quite a lot of these people and you get to know them really well during these events because you bond massively because you're all suffering so much and you'll, you'll go a little bit weird as well which again you, you'll understand um, and you just get super close so I, I knew a lot of the people there there's a particular group of um, girls basically it's just us girls who have done we did our first decker together um, Shanda's from Canada, Laura and Georgetta are from America. And so we just meet like once a year in a random location and put ourselves through hell. <laughs> <laughs> but we're very close and we have like a messenger group that we all catch up on. You know, it's been hard not been able to catch up with them for ages now. So we just like, we send each other random messages and pictures of, we're all crazy about animals. So we just send each other pictures of our various pets. Shanda wins because she has goats who she puts on some her stand-up paddleboard. So she's <laughs> just great pictures. So yeah. So yeah, I have we have really good close friendships, which and weird friendships, because like I say, we don't see each other for twelve months sometimes, if not more. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the uh, group of people doing this thing is very small. <laughs> not, not surprised no. about that. <laughs> You've just spent two days swimming, and now you have to do a bike ride, which is 2,240 miles. That is almost the same length as the Appalachian Trail, which took me 115 days to walk. This part took you 296 hours, which is about 12 days. Yeah. So 
You've swum lengths of the pool for the swim. How is the bike section organised? Um, it's about a five mile lap around this really lovely park in Mexico. Is it a flat loop? It It, it is pretty much. The, you have to go over a dam um, at either end and that, that isn't flat at all. That's a really very, very steep, very sharp kind of short climb. But it's, oh, that's, you just dread it every time it's over within a few minutes. But it's really difficult because you're doing it. I don't know how many laps, but a lot. <laughs> and the other side of it was really rough um, tarmac as well. So it became like a mini torture section, just that bit there. Um, but the park itself was beautiful, really, really lovely. Unfortunately, since I was there, like, way back it's gotten it's not to say unfortunately it's just gotten a lot busier I think people there have just become far more active and it, it was sometimes especially at the weekend almost impossible to move around that circuit without bashing into people and when you're on a road bike you're doing a reasonable speed so it became there were certain days it became quite challenging but it, as a course it was lovely there were just too many people on it how would you keep fueled for this part of the challenge did you bring your own food or is it included in the race fee i mean i've just made an assumption that there's a race fee i really have no idea yes yes there is a race fee and, and yes food is part of it and actually they do very they do awesome food um Bito and his wife it's a very much a family kind of run business and we're fed very well um i did take some stuff out with me but oh, i ended up being in quite a lot of it. i took some like like nutrition like liquid stuff and i just didn't i couldn't wash my bottles up properly for a start i just didn't have the time so i had some fuel with me thinking that would be brilliant to top up my calories but i just couldn't wash out my bottles properly so i just off in the end i thought i'm gonna get sick on this so i kind of ditched that um they used to order pizza in the afternoons so that was brilliant so if you kind of timed that right you could stop and get a couple of slices and I'd, oh nice like yeah literally i'd take a few slices just to bed with me and i'd literally just lie down eat the pizza fall into a coma for like 15 minutes and then get up and go again and there was a lot of that um, they also cooked pancakes every morning from like four o'clock and that was brilliant i had a lot of those um and fresh fruit was they just had huge amounts of melon and everything like that so that was brilliant so, yeah, that was great. The food was brilliant. Well, that sounds really good, actually. Did you develop any routines like I'm going to eat after every five loops or ten loops or something like that? The deco I did in Switzerland, um, I had that routine and I was very comfortable in it. And it, it was like it really worked for me. So I just assumed that going and doing a double, we'd, and we all assumed this as well, that it would be the same. But actually this one, we were all over the shop, all of us. Our, our little routines that we planned just you know they all just went out the window and where we were so tired from the swim we slept more than we thought we were going to that we needed to so sometimes you do three laps and you'd be falling asleep on the bike so you'd have to pull it get a little sleep get up and, and go again and that became the routine you'd go until you couldn't go anymore and then you'd crawl into your tent sleep for 20 minutes sometimes more and then get up again it was bizarre <laughs> and torturous <laughs> yeah um, yeah i just it doesn't sound pleasurable <laughs> it's, 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 nothing, it's nothing pleasurable <laughs> the pleasurable bits is the connections that you have with other people and the laughs that you have i mean yeah it's obviously there's a lot of crying and pain and suffering involved but you do actually have some really good times you know 
Yeah, I can totally relate to that because not, I mean, you go and do these crazy things and none of them are 100% enjoyable. There are always bits in it where you think this is rubbish, what we're doing. For me, especially on the ocean, and I was being sick and I just wanted to stop moving. And I was just like, why am I doing this? But like you just said, everything is the same. You know, the connections with people, the memories you make and the feeling of achievement at the end obviously makes it all worthwhile. But it's not always fun. (laughs) No, it's it's type two fun, isn't it? My friend calls it type two fun. Absolutely. The type, the type of fun that you can look back on and go, I really enjoyed that. That was amazing. You block out all the rubbish. <laughs> yeah, totally. I imagine you aren't really looking at this food as a pleasurable thing, but more of a food as fuel kind of mentality. Are you able to put yourself in that kind of mindset? To a point. I mean, I really did enjoy pizza and the pancakes during the double decker so it wasn't really to be uh, honest the food sounds much better than I was imagining (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I I really did quite enjoy that that's not but I've done other events where the food is not so good or it's just coming out of like the rucksack I've got or and you you know you've got to eat it even though you don't want to yeah I imagined it was going to be like protein bars and you know liquid fuel and some people do do that and some people have a very strict diet and things like that i'd say proper athletes but i don't really class myself yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you ever use it as a psychological reward so if you do i know i can do two more loops and i get to eat a bar of chocolate or something like that oh yeah yeah definitely gotcha yeah yeah it's yeah. good chocolate's <laughs> always a good good reward for everything yeah. isn't it? oh definitely <laughs> So you spending 12 days riding your bike on very little sleep and all that's left now is a 524 mile run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just, it just blows my mind every time I think about it. So the run took you 309 hours, which is nearly 13 days. How did you feel heading into that run after you've just spent two days swimming and 12 days riding your bike or with very, very little sleep by the sounds of it? Um, you're just so excited. You can't, cannot wait to get off the bike because, I mean, by the end of the bike... That's not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> no, oh, you're all so excited. It was like you can't... It's, and also, like I say, it was. it's become very challenging the amount of people on the bike. And I was constantly... I never fell off. I was... A lot of people did. And I was very aware of it. And I just couldn't wait just to be on my feet <laughs> that sounds bizarre but and also the saddle sores that I developed oh my god I'd got to the point I never really suffered with anything other than just general soreness down there but the soreness had become blisters had become and I put compute down there at one point so you that, that's a pretty desperate measure yeah. so yeah it, yeah it kind of worked it wasn't a bad idea but it, yeah I had some serious ramifications but it, you know you get to the point and I'd run out of painkillers as well so I was at that point where I was just like the last few laps were pure torture so I was so excited to get onto the run and, and you know really deep down that after a few after probably the first half marathon you are going to be very happy but it's just that initial couple of laps where you're like, you could just see people really like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm it's not well, sat on my bum anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my feet and it's like, it's a whole new day. And it's like, you've got that, it's euphoria. I mean, it is just literally like, I did something smaller recently and I, getting off the bike and getting onto the run, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're so happy. But yeah, that doesn't last, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I imagine I can relate to that a little bit. I cycled across Australia and it was the first cycle 
thing I'd ever really done apart from very short cycle rides. And after the first couple of days, my bum was in such pain and I was just going, I'm going to do 5K and then I can get off. And I was just breaking my day down into 5Ks because I just wanted to relieve the pressure from my bum. It's horrible, isn't it? I can imagine it's that times a million for you. But I really enjoy walking, but I hate running. I've got a short stride. My hips are dodgy. I've never found a good enough sports bra. And I was convinced by a friend once to go and do a park run, which is an organized 5K run around a completely flat park. And I was determined to make it round without stopping to walk. And I had a battle with myself the whole way around, which basically went, what are you doing? Why don't you just stop? And <laughs> you can do it. Don't stop. Like it's just <laughs> on, on repeat. Yeah. For the whole, it took me 30 minutes to do this 5k. And when I stopped, my stomach felt like it was still going up and down and round and round. And I was so close to throwing up. I was so embarrassed. I never went back and did it again. <laughs> I can imagine that running on a full stomach is, is pretty uncomfortable. So how do you take on your food while you are running for 13 days? Um, there's a lot of walking with ultra running okay (laughs) okay yeah a lot a lot of walking a lot of fast walking you know you try and keep a good pace but when you're trying to eat a decent as well I mean sometimes you just take take a roll I'll go and make a roll of like eggs and salad or whatever and then I'll take it on the lap and I'll do like I'd be like okay the next four laps are going to be walking laps and I'll eat and then I'll have a couple of laps where it goes down a bit and then I'll start shuffling and then you shuffle for a bit and then you go and have a break and then you come back and you can run for a bit and then you think, okay, I'll have another, I need some breakfast, I'll have some cereal and I'll take my bowl of cereal on the lap to save time because every single time you stopped, of course, you weren't moving forward. So you have to be very careful with stopping too much. So it's like you only stop and you really have to. So if you can walk and eat, then do it. Okay, that makes much more sense to me. I just imagined like just running for 13 days without stopping. It just sounds so crazy. Yeah, the stronger athletes than me that were out there doing a lot more running and finishing quicker but you know I know my limitations and I all I wanted to do was finish this so I just did the very best I could and yeah so small small amounts of food but sometimes if I had some you know bigger I would just walk for a bit. So 12 started, 8 finished, you were the 6th finisher overall and the 3rd female and the only person in the UK ever to have completed a double decker. So I have to clarify this. There's a, a guy called Decker Dave who's a good friend of mine and he has done a double decker but he did it in the one a day format. Ah, uh, okay. So I've done it. I'm yeah, I'm the only person to have done it in the continuous format and it's always a bit of a contention as to what's hardest. Is the one a day harder or is the, is the continuous harder? I, I mean, I find the one a day harder because of I'm a slow athlete and it's I don't have as much time at the end of each day to get the recovery that I need when I do the one a day format where for the continuous one you can manage your own rest breaks which you know it's just a case of ticking off the miles which is a lot easier for me I mean I don't think there should be any competition in that I think they both sound ridiculously hard <laughs> you know are. I don't think one should be seen as harder than the other <laughs> that's true <laughs> so you finished in just under 28 days what was the cutoff time? I think it was 30 or 31 days. I was, yeah, it was pretty close. <laughs> wow. I mean, as long as you, you're under it, then that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I was going to be quicker because, we, you know, we all did actually. We all looked at our decker time in Switzerland and went, oh, well, you know, add on a day or two for just it being a bit harder. But we were all <laughs> quite a lot over. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a wake-up call. Was there ever a time where you thought, I'm not going to do this, or you just felt like giving up uh, at all? No. So I never felt 
that I was going to give up in the whole event. I never thought I would stop. The only time I thought I wouldn't be able to continue was when I got quite a serious injury on the front of my ankle. And I, I was in bits because I just did not want to give up. I didn't want to finish. It wasn't even like I wasn't even looking for an excuse. You know how it is sometimes when you're like, oh, no, I'm injured. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Damn. Oh, worse. Oh, I have to go home now. I was, I was absolutely distraught and I was just like crying to my friends and stuff because I was just like, it was getting worse and worse and, and it was the case and my friend said to me he sent me a text and just said can you still move forward and I was like yes and he was like well that's, that's all you do and I remember just really saying okay as as much as I can keep putting my one foot in front of the other I'm still in the game and I just did that and then the next day I just thought do you know what I think this is going to get better on Tuesday and I don't know what day it was at that point Sunday or something and weirdly it started getting better on Tuesday <laughs> and and it did never get better better and I still get it sometimes but it, it got to a point where I was like okay now I can now I feel like I can finish this thing but yeah I definitely had about 24 48 hours where I was like oh my god I can't and I was really close to the end as well and I was like imagine not finishing this <laughs> oh god you've gone through all of that and then because uh. <laughs> I don't know if I could have put myself through that again that's the thing and I don't yeah I wouldn't want to put oh, that swim in the bike and I was like god no <laughs> Is uh, is double decker where it stops? <sighs> Does it go higher than that? There's a triple decker next oh, year. Oh god! <laughs> I know. There's a triple decker next year, and it's a one a day format. Can you imagine? Oh, it makes me feel sick. So obviously, I'm going to go. <laughs> Are you going to do it? I don't know. Oh my goodness! The fact, it's the fact that it's it would be so hard for me because I can't. I find the one-a-day format so difficult. And it's a, it's a, it would be 30 Ironman continuously. It would just be like back to back every day getting your wetsuit on. Oh. oh. I can't even get my head around it. I can't. I just can't oh. understand it. But the fact that it's <laughs> I, I, the fact that I find it so disgusting is, is probably a good enough reason for me to turn up now, yeah. <laughs> so it's why you want to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Moving on now to your starter, Claire. What have you chosen to start with? Oh, prawn cocktail, which is like such a retro. <laughs> it's good old 70s prawn cocktail. <laughs> And are we talking little shrimpy prawns or yes. the big king prawns? No, the little ones, the big ones. I just think they're really odd. Someone gave me some the other day and I was just like politely eating them, just being like, ah. Yeah, there's a, I, don't, I don't mind the big ones, but if they come with a head, I'm no. like, mm, not keen on that. <laughs> no. no, this is like, this is the proper basic iceberg lettuce, you know. <laughs> It's not fancy at all, real basic. In a nice wine glass with yes. the corns around the edge, oh, yeah. why not? Why not? <laughs> Go the whole hog. <laughs> Actually, so you're my fourth guest and you're already the second person to have chosen prawn cocktail. So I think it's oh, a really? pretty popular choice. Yeah, 50% so far is pretty good. <laughs> but I think it's a good choice of starter because it won't fill you up too much because prawns and iceberg are mostly water, aren't they? That's it. And I do get full up really quickly. So I've got to be careful because if I have a starter, then I'm like, oh... And I'm not going to eat my main course. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always go go to town and then um, I get disappointed because I can't enjoy my main yes, course as much. <laughs> same, <yeah. laughs> 
So you've done several triathlon events since your first one in 2005. Is that right? 2005? Yes. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite discipline and which one would you say you're best at? And are those two things the same? Um, favorite is running. And I, you know, I'm pretty rubbish at all three and I'm not putting no, myself down. I, no, no, you can't possibly no, be rubbish I'm at not, all three. Not rubbish, but I'm not, I'm not very good. But I, I have like, like swimming, I was doing quite well with my swimming last year. If I work very hard at my swimming, I'm pretty, you know, I'm all right at it. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not fast at anything. I guess running is probably the thing I'm best at. And it is my favorite. So yeah, it's my go-to if I had to choose. And when I'm stressed out or I'm fed up, it, I always go for a run. I don't think, oh, I'll, I'll go for a swim because that just annoys me because there are people in the pool or it's cold or, you know, but a run, it always just sorts my head out. So yeah, running. I feel like that's probably the best one to be your favorite because it's the last one, right? So you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I always do. It's like, yeah, the best. So get rid of the swim, which is always horrible and hard for me, cause, especially if it's open water, because I've got a lot of open water fears. So it's like, yeah. And the bike is great, but I have a lot of back problems, so it can get very painful. So yeah, the run, although that hurts by the end as well, if, if you do stupid distances. But yeah, I, I'm not, I like running. Well, I would definitely argue that you're very good at all three of them, having completed a double decker in, un, in 28 days. I mean, not many people could do that. So yeah, I think you're definitely very good at all three disciplines. But this year, you decided to have a crack at getting the FKT, which is the fastest known time for running Jogley. And Jogley is the name given for people traveling the length of Britain's. So they go from John O'Groats in the northwest of Scotland down to Land's End in the southwest of Scotland. And they call it Le Jog if you go the other direction. It's most commonly attempted on a bicycle, but you decided to run uh, the length and it was about 870-ish miles. Is that right? Yeah, it does vary the route you do. Yeah, because there's not a set route. You kind of, it's a, it's a very much like choose your own route, right? Yes. So I am really interested in this one because it's something I would love to do, not running, obviously, because I don't plan to run anywhere ever. <laughs> But but I would like to walk it. Yes. But to be honest, the thought of planning it, I find slightly daunting because there is so much private land in England and there are a lot of restrictions about wild camping. Yes. How much planning did you put into the route and where you were going to stay each night? So very little, which is okay. excellent. <laughs> That's sort of a bit of a common theme for me, which I just think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then it was like, yeah. And I sort of... It's, it, I did sort of plan it a little bit because initially I was going to do it with a rucksack and I trained with it and uh, I quickly realised that the amount of stuff that I would need, it would break me carrying this rucksack and trying to run it as well, which was, yeah, it was really stupid. So I then had to, uh, I sourced a trailer initially, that didn't work. And then I ended up with the, the jogger, which I'd had one before and my um, son, who's 18 now, was little. So he, you know, I knew that it was going to work because they're very good. They're very agile. So um, I put a reasonable amount of effort into sourcing all of that and testing so it. So you used, it was, it was like an off-road buggy, right? That kids, that you put a kid in. The type you see people overtaking you on a park run. That's it, basically. That was exactly what I heard, yeah. And I didn't want to. I really fought it. I didn't want to do this event with a pushchair. It just was like, no. I thought I was going to get so much stick from people on Facebook. It's like the crazy woman running with a pushchair. But in in the end, it was like, you're going to have to swallow your pride and deal with the fact that this is the best thing for the job. And it was. It was perfect. <laughs> um, but in regards to the route, well, at the time, Carla and Dan, who are both the current record holders for, um, they actually did the jog rather than starting in Scotland but they did it in 
was like, oh, I don't know what Carla did it. It was, she's like 10 days, I think. And Dan did it nine or so. Anyway, crazy, crazy distances and times. And I could never aspire to being anything like, you know, what they've done. But I basically took their routes and thought, oh, you know, that's, they're obviously the fastest route. So I'll, I'll crack on with those. But what turned out in the end was that because I was on my own and because I had a push chair, <laughs> basically, I was in some of the roads that was so kind of, they had no like hard shoulders or no pavements or anything. I was massively in the way. And because I had no crew helping, it, it did get to a point where I was fully like thinking that this is, I'm going to get killed, you know, doing this. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So I basically I had to kind of reroute on the you know on the actual event so a lot of the, the the days we'd be like planning the route and then you know my friend would send me a gpx file on my phone and i'd just be like okay so this is where i am today and then i'd use a lot of the cycle paths which if you're going to do it i would there's plenty of routes out there that you don't have to do the crazy you know a9s um because that's what you want to kind of avoid it's really, really crazy busy roads and use all the substrain routes, which are brilliant. And the minute I was sort of made off the really crazy busy roads, I was so much happier. But I had to accept that my challenge was then going to take me longer than what I originally, I, th- I think originally I said I was going to do 16 days, which was, I mean, I had a few people around me going, you know, that's like a complete <laughs> dream, don't you? And I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. And then obviously I took 23 days and eight hours. <laughs> it's quite a big difference. But, I, you know, it was, we just had to make a judgment call for my safety on that. Because I was, I got to a point on like day three where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because I feel like I'm actually going to die. And I did actually write my will before I left for this one. So, oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, out of all the events I've done, I've, I figured that this was going to be the most dangerous. And it was simply because of the traffic on our roads and the attitude of some people as well. So you didn't really go off-road. It was all on-road stuff. Uh, no, I did go off-road quite a bit once we decided that I wasn't going to use the traditional sort of like record route. And yeah, like I said, some of the, the cycle paths were trails. I mean, I wasn't on, I wasn't following the coastal route, which if you walked, I don't know if you'd do that. But yeah, a lot of the routes I was on canal paths. Yeah. And sometimes I was actually on proper like grass, which wasn't ideal. We tried to avoid that as much as possible because it was through the buggy. It's very slow. And how often did you camp, wild camp, or were you staying in accommodation along the way? I wanted to wild camp as much as possible, and that's and that's exactly what I did. And I'd never wild camp before, so um, oh wow, yeah. So I'm looking at doing an event next year where I'll have to wild camp a lot. And I was thinking it'd be great prep, and it was. It was fantastic. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Like, the first night in Scotland, so I wild camped all through Scotland. Um, I started getting a few hotels kind of just like up north and just once I was in England it became harder to world camp it was just there was a lot more locks on gates there was the attitude of people were just I just didn't feel like it was it, I mean it isn't the thing is in Scotland you've got the right to roam so you are actually allowed as long as you don't damage anything or litter you can actually stay and you don't get asked to move on but in England it's very different um, and also it was a lot more built up as I sort of came down the country so I treated myself to a couple of premier inns which were along the way which I mean to be honest I did need it as well because I hadn't washed properly and sometimes my kit was soaking wet and things like that so it, if I could find a premier then I would take that opportunity and it was heaven. <laughs> did you ever get told to move on like when you were camping did you ever get told to leave somewhere? Yeah so there was one night where um, it was sort of near Bridgewater so it was quite near to the end of my challenge um, and I, I fall in love. I was in a 
gateway just off the road. And I hadn't really planned to stay there. I planned to move on, like push on a bit more, but I was so tired and then my feet hurt so much that I was like, I'm just going to, there was a little kind of like gateway to a field and it was set off the road a bit. And I thought no one will notice. I'll just stay here for a few hours and then I'll get up really early. But so I fell dead asleep and then I had um, like someone like a flashlight shining into my tent telling me to get out. And I got up and the owner of the field was like, and he had a crowbar. It was a real moment. You know, when you just wake up and you're just like out of it. And so I was trying to explain what I was doing because completely confusing him. He was then trying to explain that he'd been broken into the night before. So that's why he was so kind of angry. And so after a while, we just ended up laughing about what's going on in the whole situation. And he ended up going, being like really helpful and lovely and asking me if he could help me at all. And but from, oh, that was yeah. It. <laughs> but from, from that point, actually, because up until that point, I'd been very happy. I slept any, everywhere I wanted to sleep. I, you know, just pitched in a field, and I didn't feel like I slept in someone's shed once. <laughs> just like I felt completely happy. I loved it. And then that, from that point onwards, I was less happy. I'd started getting a little bit, you know. But, yeah, that's not not surprising. Yeah. So that was the only real real bad experience with the sleeping. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of. I guess that man, obviously, like he said he'd been broken into, is probably a bit wary of people coming onto his property. But he was. Well, he just, yeah, he just thought I was part of the gang of thieves, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, look at my tent and my buggy. <laughs> look, look at me. And then he was like, is there a baby? He said, is there a baby in there? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> he was so confused. Oh, I mean, generally though, people are really nice and oh, really helpful. Yeah. I think that was definitely like an anomaly, and it, obviously someone that's just been having a bad time rather than the norm so yeah but it is it is difficult in england just you can't just go wherever you want can you it's just you have to be a bit careful no i definitely felt that yeah so how different is it running when you're pushing something do you have to adapt your style um i didn't feel that with the baby jogger it's, it's very light it's very agile it's initially when i started it because it was the second hand when i just got from gumtree it was pulling to the left and I was just adjusting every few seconds without realizing it. And I got to um, my friend's house uh, in Scotland and he was just like, why? I've just been watching you. You're, you're making adjustments every few seconds. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And he was like, no. So he actually turned around like I had a little sleep and he took my the buggy off for a bit of an MOT and put some extra padding on my handlebars and very kindly adjusted it. And afterwards I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it, what you can put up with? You're just yeah. like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> I can deal with this. This is fine. And it was awful. And, I, and actually afterwards, I was like so happy. But the actual buggy itself, going uphill, obviously there was about £35 worth of stuff, including the buggy weight to push uphill. And in Scotland, in Cornwall, that was pretty challenging. But, and I, but I'm good at pushing stuff uphill for some reason. But it was, it, yeah, it was the coming downhill that shocked me. And because I hadn't done any proper training with that, I had a real wake-up call in Scotland where when you come down a hill, especially because it's only had a brake on the front wheel, so when it bounced up and down, there would be no brake. So, and it would just really, really hurt my knees and just be very – it just wanted to go. And I was like, no. Nah. And you can't run downhill with it. People would be like, oh, jump on it. And I'm like, yeah, funny. Yeah, <laughs> you think you probably would die if you did that. you die. you actually die. <laughs> the amount of people that said to me, oh, just jump on it. And I was like, yeah, I haven't had that one before. <laughs> 
Could you have like tied it? Could you have like put some kind of leash on it or something? I wouldn't have wanted to because if I'd have tripped and let go, and it was oh, just you just dragged, dragged down the hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of times when I had to go down some really steep steps, and I had to be very careful because I, I was really aware at that point that if I had let go, it probably would have been the end of the challenge because the steps were very high and it just would have smashed. I think. Wow. Yeah. So, and it was just really quite heavy. When you're not carrying the weight on your back, are you more inclined to kind of pack in a few more luxuries? And yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I took a few more battery packs than I would ever have taken, just because I was paranoid about running out of, you know, my phone and stuff like that. So, and the lights. So, yeah, I definitely had a bit more. And it got a bit. It got to Hereford, where I think I was carrying just a bit too much. People were sort of like, "Oh, here, I've bought you this, and thank you." And it's like this getting heavier. And heavier and then the wheel broke off oh no <laughs> it's just like gosh and I just I just watched this wheel like like I remember just watching it go across the road going uh-huh <laughs> that's not good um and then yeah luckily I managed to find a, a farmer literally just up the road and he helped well he didn't help me he fixed it for me it was amazing but that, from that point onwards I had a serious like kit cull yeah that hotel that night I literally they just left an awful lot of stuff in that room I don't know what the cleaners were thought. <laughs> just a lot of a lot of random food and stuff that just was left there because I just thought that's got to last me now until it ends so. so you were doing it in a self-supported style so you were having to get your food from plate shops and stuff was it hard to find places to resupply did you have to like stray off your route too much or was it pretty much en route yeah no it was I mean I'd looked at the route beforehand I tried to make a bit of a plan as to where I'd sleep but in the end I just thought you know it only takes you not meeting that first like you know area by five miles and all of the rest of the time were out so I stopped trying to plan it I stopped trying to control it to be honest the whole adventure was about just winging it so but in terms of shops and stuff I thought people said to me oh Scotland would be be dodgy and it, it really wasn't there was never a time when I was looking for a shop and couldn't find one they just seem to be so plentiful especially going through England um, I always carried some fire pot meals with me though I always had uh, at least two so and obviously I had my jet boy and stuff and I had food just so if I ever really was stuck yeah, I was never really that stuck because I always knew that I had like five pot meals like 600 calories and they're really good and I actually genuinely really enjoyed them so it was like if I had a real issue I always knew I had 600 calorie hot meal. Are they your go-to adventure meals? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't tried them before because, I mean, I'm new to kind of this adventure stuff. The triathlon stuff in the past is always supported if it's not by a crew member, it's by the, the race management themselves. You're never really looking after yourself 100%. So, but with this, it really was. So it was, I've never tried properly like dehydrated meals and stuff. So this was, um, they, you know, I find them really good. Which was your, your favourite flavour? There's the spaghetti bolognese one, which just seemed to hit the spot. Yeah, I got a bit fed up with chilli because I do love chilli, but you know, I probably had too much of that. Yeah, spaghetti bolognese one went down the tree. Firepot are, are a good brand. I've tried their spaghetti bolognese. That is pretty good. And I tried their spicy pork noodles, but I just, I was too spicy for me. I couldn't, couldn't deal with it. They were, they are quite hot, aren't they? Yeah, really hot. Yeah, I was surprised. So how many days a time were you resupplying for? Like how many days of food would you carry with you? So I carried, like I was planning on carrying like four initially. Um, but as I got down further down the country, it just wasn't necessary to carry that much food because there'd always be a co-op. Co-op seemed to be the best shop for me because it had, I could go in there and I could pick up like a pack of pork pies, um, a wrap, some fruit, you know, some biscuits, whatever, and, and then refill my water and stuff. And that, that just did 
enough for me. And then uh, if my evening meal would alternate between like a five hot meal or a pot noodle, so <laughs> such a my diet was so bad, <laughs> it's really bad. So it, it was a bit like yeah, not, not particularly good. And um, I'd also posted like boxes out to like various locations so like my friend in Scotland who fixed my um steering and then a couple of other places just like um a random shop and a pub so in these boxes I literally had like spare socks um clean underwear painkillers battery pack a bit more food and yeah so that they were really good to pick up um I didn't necessarily because I use resilient nutrition as well which is like a nut butter in a pouch which is really brilliant really that, that really works for me as well. But I, I didn't need as much as I thought for any of the food, to be quite honest. I, I did need the painkillers yeah. <laughs> and I did need the socks. <laughs> I, just, I used to just open these boxes and just be like, yeah, socks, socks, painkillers. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> Claire, what have you chosen for your main course? Curry and Bombay potatoes. Oh, what type of curry are you having? Yeah, I do like tikka masala, but I just feel that's a bit common. But as long as it's not crazy hot, not crazy, crazy hot. Can you can you handle your spice? You prefer? I'm not mild, but medium. But like, I don't like vindaloo type stuff where you literally can't even feel like your mouth after a while. I don't see the pleasure in that because it's just heat. There's no flavor, is it? It's just like pure heat and pain. And you're sweating and it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it looks like a really unpleasant experience all around. So, but I do like a bit of spice. Yeah. And potatoes, Bombay potatoes. I mean, I just love potatoes. I could eat potatoes all day, every day. Is it a veg curry or chicken? It or? could be. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm actually, I'd actually probably prefer a vegetable curry because I'm, yeah, I mean, I do eat meat, but I can take it or leave it, I've got to be honest. But if I had to choose between meat and potatoes, it would be potatoes every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, potatoes are great, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know anyone that doesn't like potatoes. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so are you having the curry and the potatoes, are you having any rice with it or is it... I love a bit of rice as well. Yeah, why not? Yeah. A nice bit of pilau rice. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, I really like curry, but I find one curry just too much of the same flavour. I like it when they serve... There are these things called talis and it's like a, a tray with lots of small dishes on and you just get like a couple of sides, a bit of rice and then a couple of curries and you just like... I love that way of eating because you feel like you're sharing without the actual having to share part. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you like <laughs> sharing? Sharing your food or no, you? No, no, no. Who knows? <laughs> I think people who say they like sharing are lying. <laughs> uh, I think there's so much pressure when you're sharing as to like not eat too much. Yeah, or... I know. No, I don't like sharing. <laughs> Do you put much thought into what you're eating and how it will affect your digestive system when you're doing stuff like this? Or just you don't really think about that? I should put more thought into it, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Um, nor do I. No. Oh, no. Okay, what I do is I put thought into it, but then I don't stick to it so much. I mean, we did have a plan with the joggle. I worked with the nutritionists and stuff, but I've got to be honest, I just ended up eating as I always eat, which is just quite normal foods, sandwiches and chips. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> yeah. All those carbs. <laughs> it is basically, and it's just what you fancy. And, and admittedly, I mean, I didn't eat as many sweets. I'm trying to cut down on that, to be honest, for the sake of my teeth. But also, it, it's very short energy. When you're doing this sort of stuff, you have a massive hit of chocolate, it drops you pretty damn quick and you don't actually need that you know you need you don't need to feel it instantly like you don't want to go to sleep or something so you need to be careful with that yeah it's when i first i hiked the pacific crest trail and the, the last four days i ate purely 
chocolate and sweets. That's all I ate for the last four days. It's just because I couldn't face any of the food I've been eating. And it's all that I could just, you know, put in my mouth and get me through. And I, I, I received quite a lot of stick for my adventure diet, I guess, because it is does consist a lot of sweets and chocolate. Um, but you get to a point where you just have to consume whatever your body will accept and your mind will accept as well. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the point I didn't used to eat much at all, which is why I failed quite a lot of stuff before because I just couldn't eat. When I got to the point I didn't want to eat, I didn't force myself. And people were like, you have to. And I couldn't understand it. I'd be like, no, nah, I'd be fine. And of course, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't listen. I'll be fine. <laughs> now, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the double decker you did at Mexico does sound kind of boring. And uh, <laughs> and hopefully, I, I mean, I don't think maybe that you would disagree with that. I'm sure at times you no. did find it monotonous and boring. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because you have everything you need right there. You have the support you need. You're being catered for. It's about endurance. It's not about like going and seeing somewhere. It's about physical endurance. So, and also, like I said with these things that you know I get bored on some things I do I got bored when I was rowing you know so yeah yeah but you are planning another event which sounds amazing the Trans Am Trans America Triathlon definitely yeah that sounds so exciting I mean if you took the swim and the run out of it it sounds something like I'd really love to do so Mm. basically I just want to cycle across America but so it's made up of a 31 mile swim in one kilometer loops in a lake in Florida then and this to me is the exciting part but I don't want to do it in a race the um Um, The bike is 3,000 miles from Florida to California. So you go through Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and end up in California. And that brings one word to mind, which is hot. (laughs) They are some dry, hot states, right? Yes. Then you finish running 300 miles through Death Valley to the Pacific Ocean in summer. (laughs) Yes. That sounds absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And the bike's unsupported, but obviously the swim isn't. Um, and obviously the run has to be supported because it's be quite dangerous. <laughs> so the run is in June and the average temperature is 109 Fahrenheit, which is about 43 degrees centigrade. Have you run in those kind of temperatures before? No, but I do feel like, I mean, cold is my absolute Achilles heel. I really, really struggle with the cold. So, and actually I do, I perform better in the heat. So I'm kind of going on that. <laughs> the fact that I'm, I'm hoping to perform, you know, not not too bad. I've been to Death Valley. I went in September and the heat was like nothing I've ever experienced. <laughs> I mean, I've been in hotter temperatures. It was 112 degrees in California, but it was really humid and sticky and buggy and horrible. But the heat in Death Valley is is literally like someone is blowing a hot hairdryer in your face. Really? It's really an experience and uh, it's uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> but the bike part is unsupported. So presumably you'll be wild camping and finding your own yeah. water and food yeah. and going to towns to resupply. How are you looking forward to that? Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, it was supposed to be this year, so it was a bit disappointing, but obviously, you know, it was what it was but yeah I, I mean it's just going to be because like you say the double decker and deckers in general are because for the safety thing for the race directors we can't put them on big huge courses because people fall asleep constantly so but and it is just people are oh it's so boring and it is but it's about ticking those miles off and, and saying you've done this and completing it and also going past HQ every five minutes is bloody hard work without wanting to just give up. So it's a different sort of challenge. But I'm now definitely more drawn to adventure where 
you don't know what's going to happen. And like with the joggle, every day was different. I mean, essentially I was doing the exact same thing every single day of the joggle, but every single day was so different. Yeah, and it's that's kind of what I'm craving now is the adventure stuff where you just don't know what's going to happen and you've got to roll with a lot of stuff. You learn so much, you meet new people. It's, that's what I'm, that's what I want to do these days. And it's quite amazing because you could you say, say there's like five of you sitting off across America on this path and you can all have completely different experiences because it depends on the people you meet and the time you pass through places and all stuff like that. Do you just set off and then see everyone again in California or are there points you need to check in at? There's check-in points, but I, I mean, I don't know because it'll be such a small field. We're going to be pretty strung out. I can't imagine really buddying up with anybody and also I kind of I don't really want to I mean, it'd be great to see some people but I, I kind of want to do the the, the the cycle part especially on my own um, and really experience what it's like to you know to be on your own and to have to cope with everything Did, is it ever something you would like to do as in outside of the racing kind of community would you just like to pack up your bike and go and cycle across America at your own kind of leisurely pace or would you prefer the competing element? No, no, the competing element is not a thing that I I sometimes find it can not make me feel particularly good because it's the pressure of like cutoffs and things and because I'm not a particularly fast athlete sometimes those cutoffs could really ruin what essentially would be quite a cool experience because I'm like oh my god I've got 10 minutes to make you know and I can't do it and it's you know it's just it's it's tricky but yeah so I I'd really like to and have a bit more yeah just literally pack a bike or, or even run or you know whatever just go yeah yeah I've got I've got lots of ideas but <laughs> I'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> crazy ideas <laughs> okay what are you having to drink with your meal um coke nice fat coke original. Uh, I love a soda. I'm sure if any of the listeners have followed my my adventures, they will know that it's basically my lifeblood and I probably drink more of it than water, <laughs> but only when I'm away. I never drink it at home. But I, I don't really like Coke. I think it has this weird metallic taste and more so like I feel like it's melting my teeth when I'm drinking it. Then I, do you know what? I feel like that these days as well, but I still love it. <laughs> it's a harsh, it's a really harsh drink, but lots of people really enjoy it. It's, it's basically sugar, isn't it? It's liquid sugar. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> what is it about the taste of Coke that you love? I don't know. I mean, I don't buy it for home or anything like that. It's only when I go out and it's just really nice at a pub when it's proper, like in a glass and with like ice and stuff like that. I really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your preferred vessel for soda? So I always think that there's a hierarchy between can glass bottle plastic bottle or fountain drink glass bottle the glass bottle just so good yeah like in Spain or something, when you have like a bottle of Coke, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it tastes different, doesn't it? It definitely it does. tastes different. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> plastic bottle is my least favourite. I don't like plastic bottles, but a good can when you hear that crack of the yeah. opening. Oh, yeah. oh, I love that so much. <laughs> so another race you have in the pipeline is the Arch to Arc Triathlon, which is an 87 mile run from Marble Arch in London to Dover. And then you swim across the English Channel and then you bike 181 miles to the Arc de Triomphe. That sounds, again, that sounds incredible. Not something that I would necessarily want to do, but I really like the thought of traveling from A to B and having that linear journey appeals to me. I mean, I can't really decide which of the challenges we've talked about is the 
most bonkers. This one's pretty up there. I think swimming the channel is pretty crazy. How weird will it be to have the events out of order, start till starting with the run? I've been involved in the art art for a long, long, long time. So I, I'm just used to. I used to help kind of crew on them a bit. I know a lot of people who have done it. It's to me, the art art is just that's how it is. But I understand the people who are not so familiar with it that it does seem a bit strange. But I've done a half art arc years back in Lanzarote where we did like a 45 mile run into a 11 mile swim and then a 90 mile bike ride around the island over the Mirador and stuff so which I did pretty pretty well at eventually when I got around and finished it but it, it's it's the swim is that event is all about the swim and it's not just the swim it's going into the swim tired and you are properly tired when you've done a huge long distance run it's you're so much more depleted you know you're so much colder because of that tiredness so it's all about managing that run and not going too fast and then balancing the rest when you finish the run and also the weather and your pilot telling you right starting at two o'clock in the morning getting into the water in the dark and it's it's a brilliant event it but it's brutal and people say well you know they look at the distances and say oh you've done a double deck and i'm like no 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 this is the hardest. If I manage to complete the arch rock, it will be the hardest event that I ever do, I think. Really? Yeah, because of the channel swim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most people just swimming the channel is a huge challenge on its own, but you're sandwiching it in between an ultra marathon and an endurance bike ride. Yeah, and I don't think the bike even particularly factors into it. The people that I, I know that have done it, it's almost like a victory lap, although it's still 180 miles and it's quite hilly as well, apparently. But it's um, if you've managed to swim the channel, you'll there's not been one person who hasn't finished the bike. It's not that's not an issue. But it's just that it's managing that run, and then it is just getting through that swim. And it, the swim is a huge, it's a huge factor of like the unknown and. A lot of people fail it. How much experience of open water swimming do you have? Quite a lot now, because I've been trying to do the arch shot for a long time. So yeah, I've you know I've done six hour swims, sea swim. I've done more. I've done you know twelve hour sea swims. How long does it take to swim the channel on average? It depends, but I mean, it, for an arch to arc swimmer, because they're obviously a bit depleted, and and we're generally triathletes and not not channel swimmers, and there is a difference. So triathletes aren't known for swimming hugely they can be in it's around the 16 to 18 hour mark if you're really you're a really good swimmer and you take on the arch to art you know you can do it in 12 to 14 hours but i'm looking at 18 to 20 so (laughs) you can see where i sit (laughs) well no i don't think i'd be able to do it at all so (laughs) (laughs) for me it's just the um i could swim i mean obviously i could swim for 48 miles but it's the cold that's all it's the cold and also if you slow down too much the pilot will just pull, pull you out because you're hitting tides every six hours and if you get caught up in it you're actually swimming on the spot so they'll be like they'll pull you out you're not allowed to touch the boat are you at all when you're swimming a channel how do they communicate with you how do they give you food and stuff while you're swimming on the in the channel so you are quite close to the boat they do want you to stay quite close to the boat as well because it's for the safety aspect of it um, especially at night but see they literally just like you have like a milk bottle with a handle and you tie a bit of string on that so your crew will fill up with whatever you're having a sports drink hot sports drink which works really well because it's got a lot of calories in but it's warm which is nice hot tea is lovely but of course you you know you're just not getting the calories in there so you when you stop you've got 60 seconds literally if you stop for any longer you're 
going to get cold and also you're going to start going backwards. So you stop in that 60 seconds, you've got a hammer, like 300, 600 calories. So I know people that are eating like spaghetti hoops, just downing spaghetti hoops, oh. which is a tomato <laughs> soup. Yeah. Eating bananas and then probably being sick as well because it's that, you know, you, you feel so grim. You've got to try and keep all of this down within a minute and then keep swimming on. And you do that every 45 minutes to an hour, depending on your feeding schedule. So it's it's hard. So And of course, they're talking to you as well at that time. And but again, for the crew, it's very difficult they've got to work very hard is to keep you positive because whilst you're in the water you can get a little bit I imagine it's a bit like how you were on the boat you can get a little bit weird where because you don't speak to anyone for such a long time you can start getting a bit paranoid that things are happening when they're actually not so if you start seeing someone putting their jacket on or they're cold oh actually I'm cold and it's all that they've got to be very careful on the boat as to how they behave and I've been in the water and I've been looking up and people have been talking and they've been frowning and immediately you're like, oh my God. Something's wrong. Oh, so, something's wrong. They're going to pull me out. Oh my God. And it's not, they're just talking about work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because you're in such a weird state. Uh, yeah. You just start like imagining having these awful conversations in your head. Like, what's happening? <laughs> that sleep deprivation thing, isn't it? It just makes you go a bit crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's really the communication is an art. And for channel swimmers, you choose your crew wisely. It's not just you can't put your mum on the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, <no. laughs> you you mentioned spending a bit of time in in Lanzarote. Lanzarote is like a real kind of training ground, isn't it, for triathlons? And they do a big Ironman over there. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, Lanzarote is basically my second home. Really, my parents live over there. Oh, cool. So yeah, I haven't actually been over there when they've done the Ironman yet, though. But it's a really fun atmosphere. No, I oh, you haven't done it? Oh, you should go and do it. I would love to actually. Yeah, they do this. Um, three island race have you heard of that no so you start in Graciosa which is at the top of Lanzarote it's like a tiny island and I can't remember the exact kind of setup of it but you start in Graciosa and then I think you swim over to Lanzarote and then you have to like climb up this cliff face basically and then I think you bike through Lanzarote and then you end up doing something like a human-powered transport, so be it like kayak or windsurf or something like that, something watery-based, over to Fuerteventura. Oh. So it's like a four-stage race. Oh, awesome. But yeah, it's called Three Island Race. But So yeah, that might be something else to add to your list of things. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, God, don't add anything else. <laughs> God, don't. <laughs> Claire, we're going to finish up with your dessert now. What have you chosen for dessert? Waffles with caramel sauce, like hot waffles. Oh, my God. I love pudding. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a bit of a sweet tooth, do you? Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what is your caramel sauce, a traditional caramel sauce? Is it like a dolce de leche type thing? That's popular in Mexico, isn't it? It could be like just a... Yeah, like a salted caramel sauce. That would be really, yeah. Oh, yeah, salted caramel. I mean, that's something. If it was acceptable to do, I would happily just pour it from the jug straight into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of frowned upon to do that kind of stuff, but I could totally do it. I could do that too. (laughs) Are you having any fruit on there? Any ice cream? Any squirty cream? Um, some ice cream on the side would be good, yeah. Oh, yeah, ice cream. Traditional vanilla or a nice yes. flavour? Vanilla. No, vanilla, yeah. Yeah, I had I had that at the end of the juggle and that was, yeah, and I literally don't remember what happened after that. Like I was drunk, 
but I wasn't. But because I was so tired, I must have, and that, that just kind of pushed me into a kind of sugar coma, I think. <laughs> I don't remember being like going back to the hotel room and going to bed. <laughs> it was good. I remember that. Did you get any cravings for things when you were away doing these? Are you like, I just, I really want to eat something. Yeah. So most of the, like the, especially when I'm abroad and stuff, because you don't get your, like, I mean, I was just craving like toast and marmite and a cup of tea, just your basic go to kind of breakfast and stuff like that. And then um, my mum does like a roast chicken. And I remember just, just texting her. I was like on the last stages of the run in Mexico, just going, when I come back, can I have a roast chicken, please? It's just like, yeah. I was like, thank you. Thanks, mummy. <laughs> like I'm seven again, you know. <laughs> Honestly, a roast dinner is the thing I crave most. I just, just want a roast dinner. They're so good. I love roast dinners. And I, I really enjoy cooking them as well. And I like do them like once every couple of weeks with my kids and that but do you see we're, I feel like so far we've been pretty similar with food yeah it, it changed as soon as you said I like cooking roast dinners <laughs> <laughs> I hate cooking I, I love being cooked for it's one of the best things but I hate cooking it's such a chore well it is I mean I, I've obviously got I mean kids are older now but obviously I've been cooking like just like so the whole like everyday cooking stuff is really boring I like doing roasts because I like doing roast potatoes because I can actually do them quite well but do you know I really like I like baking and I can't do it too much because my daughter doesn't thank me and neither do my thighs but I, <laughs> I can I can bake cakes and I do and when I do them I'm like oh yeah so if I'm ever feeling a bit glum I'm like I just bake like a coffee morning cake and it's like boom <laughs> I love it you instantly feel better but then I have to give it away really quickly because my daughter's like, Mom, <laughs> sabotaging me. <laughs> How did you deal with the fact that your double decker is the name of a chocolate bar? Because that's what I think about <laughs> when I hear it. <laughs> my friend actually is like works on my events with me, the Brutal Squirrel. He's mental. And he just literally bought me, before I went, he bought me a catering box full of double deckers. So I can't actually face double deckers. I'm so eight so many of them. Did you like double deckers to start with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're good, aren't they? Yeah, well, I've eaten way too many. So yeah, <laughs> with with events like yours, you're you're pushing yourself to the very extreme of human endurance. How much weight did you lose? <laughs> okay, so for the double decker, I lost um, a stone, and same with the juggle. I just my body seems to kind of just get rid of that stone, and I looked pretty horrible. And then yeah, I come back, and so I finished the juggle. When was it? Of September and I've I, I finished at like 110 pounds which was skinny for me and I've I'm like 120 now so I've put 10 pounds back on within the last month couple of months so when I came back from the double decker I it went on pretty quickly actually I ate quite a lot a lot of Maltesers and stuff like that so but with the juggle I haven't actually kind of really my stomach I think it sounds really bad this but it's the truth I actually took too many painkillers on the juggle my feet were absolutely killing me a lot of nerve damage and stuff so I was actually eating because I wasn't eating enough food and taking too many painkillers I've actually sort of my stomach's a bit it's not bad but it's not it's just not super happy with me right now so yeah I haven't been eating as much as I would normally have yeah you have to be really careful with painkillers don't you? you have to make sure you're taking them on a on a not full stomach, but with food, shall we yes. say. And I kind of, I was starting my day where I was so, I used to get up and I'd be just broken. I could barely walk. So I'd take some painkillers for breakfast and I'd be like, okay. And then I'd be fine. But it's like, I was aware it wasn't the healthiest thing to do. <laughs> I think I got a bit addicted to painkillers, actually. Not, I mean, they weren't, it's not, 
at like prescription drugs or anything no, <laughs> like that kind you of get a reliance, you do you, you, you feel of... like you can't function without them so because when I was doing my long distance hikes and stuff, every morning, like you said, it would be really painful to put weight on your feet and the soles of your feet would hurt. And actually, after you start hiking, after about 10 minutes, everything just kind of numbs up and yeah, just- you can't really feel it again. But I got into the habit of taking a painkiller. So there are these things called Aleve in, in the States, which last for like 12 hours. They're they're really good. Um, so I'd take one every morning and every night. But I'm not sure by the end that I actually really needed them, but I was fully yeah. reliant on taking them. I was like, I have to take one of these. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do it. So it gets a bit dangerous. And it took me a while actually to to like almost like wean myself wean off them off. in a way. Yeah. 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 yeah, I get that. But yeah. um, how much time do you spend like eating when you get home? Do you, do you go into a normal routine or do you just think, I've done this so I can eat whatever I want and just like load it all on? Yeah, I mean, like I said, at Mexico, I did do that a little bit and not so much with the jog or post-joggle. So I was, uh, and I think as I do tend to kind of eat what I want to a certain extent. I haven't got a huge appetite, so I suppose I get away with it. And I, if I stopped doing what I was doing, I think I'd be a full dress size up. Yeah. Because I, yeah, because I just go, if I went, like the other day I was out with some people and they were like, oh, here, have a Danish pastry. I was like, okay. And then afterwards I picked them up after their ride and they were like, have some cake. And I was like, yeah, I haven't done anything really, but <laughs> just like, a, and I, I thought afterwards, I was like, that's a, that's a Danish and a bit of cake. In one morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't be doing that, but it's like I managed to get away with it because I train quite a lot and my metabolism is quite fast, I think. But yeah, well, one day. <laughs> so like, we're going to catch up with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you got to the end of your double decker and you were obviously in Mexico, I guess there wasn't that many people you knew around. What did you do to celebrate or did you just go and have like a 12 hour sleep? Oh my God, so it was so funny. So I finished. In, I was like a Friday morning or something at like half 10 or something. And so Laura had already finished. She won. Shanda was second. I finished. Georgetta, unfortunately, was still going. But us girls, Shanda had got it in her head that we were going to go to the award ceremony and we were going to get, we were going to go shopping to get these black dresses. I'm not a girly girl, but I was just like going along with it. So she forced us to go shopping. Bearing in mind, Laura had finished like two days before. She'd finished the day before. I'd finished like 10 minutes before. They let me, so they took me back to the hotel. They let me have a shower and and I had, I, they bought me McDonald's and I was like laying on the bed in the towel eating McDonald's and I fell asleep for about an hour and then they were like, that's it, up. And, I, and they forced me to go to a, a mall, like a shopping mall in Mexico for like about three hours. I kept having to sit on the floor because my feet hurt so much. And we had to like shop for these dresses and stuff. And I just remember being like, who does this? <laughs> who, do, who does finishes a double-decker and then goes shopping for a dress? No one. <laughs> but do you know what? It was the, yeah, exactly. And then we were like racing around town with the music blaring and stuff like that. And I remember just thinking, this is awesome because it's like literally who does this uh, and I just thought that was like so cool <laughs> I guess you're still on a bit of a high from Completely, all that yeah. physical you know exertion yeah, yeah. you've got the adrenaline and stuff yeah. and yeah it kind of keeps you going a bit yeah and it, it was so random it would almost be anticlimactic to go back and just sleep at a hotel for 12 hours it was just like no let's go and let's go shopping for dresses which I looked awful because I looked like I'd come out of like some sort of cat well, I kind of had in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a stone, I'd already, you know, a stone on my frame or it wasn't a good look. You know, when you lose weight and you're like, oh, it looks so good. I didn't have that. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you can see every single bone. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I remember putting on dresses just going, nope, nope. No. <laughs> oh, goodness me. I mean, one of the main reasons I do these things is because I can lose weight and eat chocolate still. So yes. it's like one of the main yeah. reasons. <laughs> so your love for these endurance challenges saw you set up your company, Brutal Events. You are also known on Instagram as Brutal Claire. Which came first, Brutal Claire or Brutal Events? Oh, no, Brutal Events. And the guy who did, um, he actually won my first double Ironman. Um, oh, God, 2011 or 2012. Uh, he's become since like one of my best friends. And he called me Brutal Claire and it sort of stuck. And from that point onwards, everyone just sort of seemed to call me Brutal Claire. So it's a bit, it sounds like a bit of a dodgy name. but <laughs> Oh, I think it's a great name and it's perfect. <laughs> to describe the things you do. They just sound brutal, all of them. So you set up your company because you were looking for an event that didn't exist. Have you taken part in all of your events that you set up? Do you try them out before or do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we always recce them. I, I can't say that I've done them all because I couldn't. You know, some of them are really hard. I mean, like triple brutal and stuff. I'm not saying I couldn't do it, but I mean, I recce the double when I set it up and that was really bloody hard and I was just outside the cutoff that I set when I did finish it so it wasn't I don't even really class myself as finishing that one yeah I can't take part in them like okay so this one of the events I do is called the Wanna so it's like 82 miles along the coast path and I've tried and failed that five times so yeah it's this weekend me and my Jim who's my, my business partner we're going to do it again. <laughs> no one knows this. I'm just telling you. <laughs> what makes it so hard? Um, so for me, I mean, it's very hard anyway. It's obviously, like, you know, 10,000 feet of climb. It's 24-hour cutoff. Um, it's just on the Jurassic Coast, so it's really hilly. And, yeah, I, I just, because I'm a bit of a plodder, um, because in the past I've made some mistakes and things like that, I've just never been able to finish it. So we were chatting a little while back, and we were like, so... Jim was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, obviously. He was like, well, let's let's do it. Let's do it in December. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing it this weekend. I have no... Oh, yeah, not many people know. And we yeah. know how much you love the cold, so that's going to be great. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, literally. I mean, at least I do actually know the course, so that's good. But, yeah, so I'm kind of, yeah, doing that Saturday. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. absolute best of luck. I hope it's, what will it be, six, six time lucky? Oh, I bloody hope so. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, it's like, if I don't do it, I just have to keep trying. But I really would love to do it. Yeah, because, you know, the sooner you get it done, the sooner you don't have to do it again. So <laughs> That's exactly what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Claire, I'm going to read your menu back to you. You have chosen tap water from Switzerland, twiglets to nibble on, prawn cocktail for starter, a good old 70s prawn cocktail, curry, vegetable curry with Bombay potatoes and a bit of rice on the side, waffles with caramel sauce and vanilla ice cream, and it's all washed down with a nice glass of fat coke. How does that sound? Are you happy with your menu? That sounds so good. Yeah, I'm really hungry now. I'm going to have that now. <laughs> oh, to be honest, I could eat all of that as well. It sounds like a good menu. Claire, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and thank you for sharing your dream post-adventure meal. Thank you.
I am tired just thinking about all of that. I can't imagine doing one Ironman, let alone 20. You can follow Claire on Instagram at BrutalClaire. And you can see if she does one day get around to competing in that triple decker she was talking about. If you fancy taking on a challenge yourself, go and visit her website, Brutal Events. And there are a few different options of races to take a look at. Thank you to everyone who has left a review. I can only see the ones that have been published in the UK, but I was sent an email from a company called Chartable and I could see that there were loads more reviews from people in the States. So thank you to everyone who has taken the time to rate it five stars and leave a lovely review. I really do appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Mason Alexandra and at Hungry for Adventure Podcast. You can also email me hungryforadventurepodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for guests, if you would like to be a guest, if you have any feedback, let me know. I love to hear from you. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, yeah, thank you so much. I mean, by now, it's probably only mum and dad still listening. But thank you. Thank you, mum and dad, for listening. Until next time, stay safe and avoid COVID.